Truly joyful people are joyful because they understand this relationship. They understand where their peace comes from. That's why they have lasting joy. That's why they have peace. Because even in the midst of sin, destruction, doubt, fear, pain, worry, anxiety, suffering, grief, and loss, they know that their hope is in the Lord. I got duped. I went to a bookstore and this person behind the counter convinced me to buy a thesaurus. Turns out this is the world's worst thesaurus. Not only is it terrible, it's terrible. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 188. Hope you enjoyed that dad joke. That's how we start every episode. So if it's your first time listening here, have a giggle and also rate and review this podcast because it helps other people find it. The highest compliment you can pay to me and this podcast is to share it with your family and friends and you can do that on social media and you can find all of our social media info on our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. While you're there, click on the subscribe button and you can get our weekly Psalm Reflection newsletter sent directly to your inbox every single Wednesday morning. And then if you feel so inclined, click on the Give tab or the Give button on the homepage and you can contribute to this podcast for as little as $1 a month because it does cost money to host the website and the podcasts and to do all the things that we do. So uh, that would be much appreciated. But please, first and foremost, pray for us and enjoy this content and share it with people that you think might enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's what I usually say. Welcome. Good to have you all back. Let's get into our joy junk in Jesus. Uh, my joy this week, um, it was my birthday uh, last last week. And so got to have dinner out with my family. That was really wonderful. My, my whole immediate family on both sides. Um, so uh, my, my wife's an only child and I have one sibling. So all of us together is like 11 people. So it's not <laughs> including all of our children. So it's not huge, but it was really great to see everybody. Um, and I want to give a special shout out to Debbie. Thank you for your support um, and for being a patron. And for all of you who, um, who've been uh, just commenting about the podcast. I know last episode I said like, I, I didn't want to make it sound like an ultimatum or like I was fishing for compliments, but like, you know, I, that's just kind of my metric is that when I first started in young adult ministry, the young adult ministry was really failing. And I told myself if nobody showed up for like three weeks, I would stop doing the ministry because it'd be clear to me that God wanted me to do something else. And that never happened. So I have kind of the same mentality with this podcast. If it's if it goes like, you know, a month or two where like there's like nobody's saying anything to me. It doesn't feel like it's fruitful. There's no traction. Listens are going down. Downloads are going down. Then yeah, I might consider not doing it anymore. That's what I mean. So you don't need to be giving me, you know, unnecessary compliments, but if you do enjoy the podcast, it, it always is beneficial for me to know why, what you specifically you enjoy about it, and especially tell somebody about it. Because if there's growth and more people are finding it, that's that's the best way for me to realize like, oh, this is fruitful. So and if it's not fruitful, if the Lord doesn't want it to happen, I don't want it to happen. So, um, yeah. But those of you who've been telling me things like that, uh, Debbie, Natalie, thank you so much. Uh, it brings me a lot of joy. Um, and my other joy, yesterday, um, I had two meetings get canceled, which is like the best. You know, I love meeting with people, but when you have a really packed day and then all of a sudden all this other stuff comes up and then meetings get canceled, you're just like, oh, praise the Lord. So that was wonderful. Uh, my junk is that um, I'm in the spiritual direction formation program and my class was this weekend 
And it's just a struggle to get through some of these sessions. They're not, uh, in my opinion, not well put together, not well done, and um, not really providing a fruitful area of growth or uh, education in spiritual direction, for me at least. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a struggle. It's all on Zoom as well, so that's that's a huge, huge struggle. I mean, it's like five and a half, six hours on Zoom once a month, so that's rough. Um, and uh, just some uncomfortable and not fun things happened in uh, ministry this past week so that I have to deal with, and um, just people um, letting their pride get in the way, I think, of... Um, what needs to be done and, um, making ministry about them and not about the will of the Lord and the movement of the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of a bummer. So, um, yeah, just pray for me, pray for everyone involved that they would know God's love and his purpose and listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm completely unfounded and ridiculous in my assumptions or my thoughts about it all, that the Lord would correct me. So, Yeah. And then uh, Jesus Moments, um, we, we had a revival night at our parish this past week, which is like an XLT, if you know what that is, praise and worship, adoration, a speaker. Really, really loved the message um, and just really found just a really good time in prayer, um, just with the Lord, not getting in my own head. I tend to get in my own head with in prayer a lot, especially experiences like that, because I will youth minister myself or theologize myself. And I can't get out of my head, but I was really able to and just spend time in prayer, um, in praise uh, of of the Lord. So that was really great. And then um, my daughter today got an award at school um, at the end of the trimester. They do awards based on the school's values, and she goes to a Catholic school. So she got an award for being a faith-filled Catholic in her class. So um, yeah, one of only four or five people in her class to get an award. So um, if there's anything that I would be most thrilled for her to get an award in it would be that so i'm so excited so and she was very excited so praise god for that so that's my joy junk jesus love to hear what's going on in your life um let's get into our episode this is the second reading for this upcoming sunday the 33rd sunday in ordinary time we're almost at the end of our liturgical year and as we approach the end of the year we always are hearing eschatological readings readings about the eschaton the end times the second coming the final events and how to be prepared for those final events. And so we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And remember 1 Thessalonians, one of the earliest letters written by Paul to the church in Thessalonica. And it was very early uh, in his writing. And the main issue it addresses, uh, because it's very early, is that it was still dealing with that first generation of people who are starting to get older and die off after uh, Jesus had come and died and rose from the dead. And they're concerned because they thought the second coming would happen in their lifetime. And they'd misinterpreted some things that Jesus had said or that had been going around uh, from other uh, from other preachers. And Paul is writing to them to remind them, well, we talked about this last week, that that may not be the case and that we have hope in the resurrection and that kind of um, idea of being prepared and having peace and being ready, staying alert. All of that is present in the second reading today as well in the following chapter. So we're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. This is Paul writing, to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, Concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief at night. When people are saying peace and security, then sudden disaster comes upon them, like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. 
But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, for that day to overtake you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness, therefore let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this phrase in here that stands out to me first is peace and security. This was something that was like a common slogan of the day uh, that was attached to this idea of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, that the Roman Empire, because it had conquered so many places, had uh, been instituting this kind of idea of peace, that everything is stable. And the problem with that is that it's not real peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict, and this was particularly the absence of conflict because of the strong hand that was oppressing all of the people in these Roman-occupied colonies of the Roman Empire. That's not real peace. That's control, and, and that's not what we're really looking for. That's not what really brings us joy and confidence and hope in the Lord. And so Paul is pointing out here, we hear all these people saying, you know, peace and security, the Pax Romana, like true peace cannot happen without a distinct awareness of Christ's return and a foundation set upon a relationship with him. That if we don't have a relationship with God that roots us in hope, then we're going to look at the second coming as something to be feared because we're worried about our sin. We're worried about judgment. We're worried about where we're going to go because we're not getting our act together. But if we have hope in the resurrection and we're living our life every single day in alignment with that hope, then we can have peace. No matter what happens, we trust that God's will will be done. We trust that God is present. We trust that God is working and that God has a plan and a purpose, even in the midst of suffering. Remember, God does not will suffering. He does not cause death and destruction. He wanted the Garden of Eden for all of us. Sin is what causes death and destruction and suffering. The fallen world that we live in as a result of sin causes destruction and suffering and pain and death. God does not want that. But in order to respect our free will and our choices, he doesn't remove it, but he uses it to bring about a greater good. And all of that good, everything that all of this, our lives, his divine plan are working toward will come to fruition in this climactic moment of the second coming, the end of time. Now, whether that end of time is at the end of our life, we each have our own individual end of time, the end of our life at our death, or if the second coming happens in our lifetimes, the necessity to be prepared is the same. The necessity to be rooted in that hope and to have that peace as a result is the same. There's no difference. So true peace cannot happen without a relationship with God and a distinct awareness of his return. Otherwise, we're lying to ourselves or we're confusing, confusing peace with comfort. You know, peace is not about being comfortable. It doesn't mean everything in your life is, a, is, is going perfectly. I mean, you could, your life can be in utter shambles, but you can trust so fervently in the providence of God and in his plans and will for your life, based on how he's been faithful in the past and will continue to be faithful in the future, that you do not need to fear or worry and that you can have peace and surrender even in the most difficult of moments. Like, think about children. Like, we're called to be children to our Heavenly Father. Like, that's the image he gives of us. Like he says, you know, the kingdom of heaven will be granted to, to these little ones. So anyone who wishes to enter the kingdom must do so like a child. We need to trust as children trust in their parents. My kids don't wonder if I'm going to feed them. 
They don't wonder if suddenly I'm going to take the house away or take their bed away. They, like, they know, they trust that they're always going to have a place to sleep, that they're always going to have food on the table, that we're always going to provide for them. In moments where they don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing as a parent, yes, they can lash out, they can have temper tantrums, they can cry, they can complain and whine because they're children, they don't get it. But all of it is because of love. All of it is out of love for them and because I'm trying to do something for their good. The same thing is true with God as our Father ministering to us, providing for us as his children and blessing us. Sometimes we get it. We trust that God is going to provide. Sometimes we don't and we throw a temper tantrum and we whine and we complain and we worry. And eventually we have to just accept the reality and he finds a way to bring us through it. He always does. This is what scripture reveals about this relationship. 1 John 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do, we do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Children become like their parents. Whether we like it to admit it or not, we all in some way became our parents. We watch their habits, we learn them, we pick them up. They're ingrained in us as these very first habits that are instilled in us as a child to where they basically become like second nature. Now, they can be unlearned, yes, but they are very rooted and ingrained in who we are, that we become like them. And so the more we conform ourselves to the will of the Father, the more we spend time in prayer and relationship with him, the more we'll learn why he does the things that he does, why he has the rules and the teachings that he does. We'll begin to see the love that is behind them all. We'll begin to trust in him more fervently, and we will become more like him and be able to see things more from his perspective. This is part of the reason why most of us have better relationships with our parents when we're older and we can understand the responsibilities of an adult and of a parent raising children to then have a greater appreciation for all that our parents did for us. To recognize, oh, that's why you were disciplining me. That's why you had so many rules. Because raising children is terrifying and you need to keep them alive and you're afraid and you don't know and they don't come with a manual. And so I get it. So the more time we spend with God the more we will be able to see from his perspective and become like him. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 27 says, For through faith you are all children of God in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When we're baptized, we take on a new nature. By virtue of our baptism, we, are, we have a new self. We are no longer part of this world. We're in it, but we are set apart for the glory of God so that others might see the power of his grace at work in us, the power of the sacrament alive in us, the power of that relationship. It's the same thing when you see people who come from a really good family and people who come from a really broken family and the effects that has on their ability to succeed, to maintain healthy relationships, to have healthy habits, you know, to not fall into crime or drug abuse or alcoholism, like all of that can be directly linked to good family habits. Even things like having family dinner every night is directly has a direct correlation to your income, your career, your capacity for learning and growth and, you know, the positive or negative outlook you may have on life. Like there's direct capacities to how we see ourselves as children in relationship with our family. How we see ourselves as children in relationship with our heavenly Father has the same effect and that is what roots us in real peace. Even though it's difficult, even though setting aside worldly 
ambitions, desires, and attachments is not fun and can be painful and hard to let go of, those things will not ultimately make us happy. Those things will not turn us into the people that God created us to be. We want to become like him so we can see as he is. And in order to do that, we need the grace of baptism to put on the new self. And then we need to live out that baptismal call. There's a lot of people out there who have the grace of baptism who ain't living it. They're not. They leave the church. They don't finish their sacraments. They don't live an active life. And so the sacramental grace cooperates with our free will. And if we say no, the grace of God is not just going to invade and force us. That would violate our free will. We need to cooperate with it. And so maybe you're listening to this. You've been baptized. You've been confirmed, but you don't really feel like it's changed your life at all. Well, maybe you haven't opened yourself up to let it. Maybe you haven't given God permission to work in your life. Maybe you're not letting go of the earthly attachments and desires you have because you think those are the things that are going to bring you peace and security. When in reality, true peace only comes from a relationship with God that's rooted in the hope of the resurrection and eternal life in him. So that no matter what happens in this life, suffering, pain, loss, grief, sin, despair, we can have peace even in the midst of it because we trust that God is in control that he is a loving father who provides for his children. Romans 8, 14 and 15 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, meaning Daddy. When we forget our identity as children of God and that that is the source of our peace, we can very easily fall back into the slavery to sin. And I would say a slavery to comfort because we conflate peace and comfort. We think peace means absence of conflict. Everything is fine. Everything is good. And in this world of varying personalities and differences of opinion, different gifts, the many parts of the body trying to work in collaboration with one another, there will always be conflict. There will always be messiness because no matter how conformed we are to Christ, we will still sin. All of us sin. Every single one of us. None of us is perfect. And so it will always be messy. There will always be uncomfortable situations. The peace comes in knowing Christ Jesus. The peace comes in having hope in his resurrection. The peace comes in trusting in God's divine plan and providence for your life. The peace comes in knowing that God has always been faithful and will continue to be faithful. When we forget our identity, we can fall back into slavery to sin and that attachment to earthly comfort. When we forget our identity in the family. Like look at the crisis of fatherhood and family in our culture. Families are broken. Divorce rates are still as high as ever. Things like cohabitation that directly lead to higher rates of divorce and higher rates of broken families. Um, unwanted pregnancies or, not, or even unexpected pregnancies, like all of those things skyrocket when we forget the value of the nuclear family and that that has its root in faithful marriages. And faithful marriages come from faithful marriages being modeled by good families. This has a ripple effect generationally through history, through families. And that brokenness also has a ripple effect generationally through families that we don't have two parents in our home, that we don't have healthy marriages in our home, 
We don't have models for us of good relationship. We don't have someone to instill in us good habits and virtue. So we look to the world, we look to our friends, we look to our peers who are not mature, who are not responsible for, um, for raising children, and who have not yet fully developed neurologically, like their prefrontal cortex and all of that. Like they don't have the ability to manage their, their inhibitions. They act impulsively. And we rely on people like that instead, and we make poor decisions. Where do you look for for your sense of peace? Are you looking in earthly ways, in earthly sources for your peace? To your relationships, to your friends, your earthly family? Or are you recognizing that true peace can only come from the Lord? Peace can come even when things are very uncomfortable because we know that the Lord is at work. And when we bring things to him and pursue truth and goodness and justice and love, then we know with confidence that everything will work out. When I have uncomfortable situations in life or at work or in ministry or in my family, if I do my best to conform my heart to the Lord and try and act in all that I do with love, while not forgetting the need to have justice, the need to pursue the truth, the need for goodness to prevail and the truth to come out, when I do those things, then I am not creating division. I am bringing people, inviting people into unity with God, into the opportunity for change. And I'm exposing myself to the opportunity for change because I'm, I'm putting it out there in such a way where I am recognizing I could be wrong. I could be mistaken. But if I forget my identity as a child of God, if I forget my identity in my family as a husband, as a father, as a son, then that family structure will fall apart and it will break. The same thing is true in my spiritual life. If I forget who I am in Christ, then I will look for peace everywhere else. And the world tells you that peace looks like comfort. It looks like success. It looks like having a lot of money, having pleasure, doing what you want, and there being absolutely no conflict or um, or or need in your life, that you have everything you could possibly want or need. And brothers and sisters, you know this anecdotally, even if you've never lived that kind of life of luxury, you know people who do, how they can still fall into brokenness and how they're still unfulfilled and empty. In celebrity culture and, and all these things that we see about all the time, we see people over and over and over again saying, this never made me happy. In fact, it, it, it often leads to the opposite. True peace comes from the Lord. True peace is rooted in the hope of eternal life. And when we live every day with that hope in mind, and we make every decision based on, is this leading me closer to heaven or not? Is this conforming to the heart of the Father or not? Am I becoming more like my heavenly dad or not? Is this the actions of someone who has a new self rooted in baptism or not? Is this rooting me in my spirit of adoption, or is this bringing me back into the slavery of sin and comfort and fear? If we ask those questions, if we operate in that way, in all that we do, all that we say, everything that we are every single day, we will have a lasting peace no matter what the world, no matter what the devil and his demons, no matter what trials even come, no matter what anyone can throw at us. No one will be able to steal our peace. And joy, brothers and sisters, is rooted in that peace. 
Truly joyful people are joyful because they understand this relationship. They understand where their peace comes from. That's why they have lasting joy. That's why they have peace. Because even in the midst of sin, destruction, doubt, fear, pain, worry, anxiety, suffering, grief, and loss, they know that their hope is in the Lord. Do you know that? Do you know that your hope is in the Lord? Are you ready to welcome him into your life every single day? Because that's where true peace comes from. You are children of the light and children of the day. You are not a child of the night or of darkness. So stay alert and sober, rooting yourself in relationship with God and recognizing only true peace, only true love, belonging, truth, goodness, and beauty can come from that. That is all I have for you, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.